This is the Regeneration Show with Wakefield Council, featuring exciting new developments and projects to enhance the lives of people right across the Wakefield district. So it's Dave Adams here with another edition of the Regeneration Show here at Rhubarb Radio. We'll be doing it every month. We're into month five now, just talking about so many exciting things happening regeneration-wise across the Wakefield District. This evening, I'm joined by Jane Brown, who's the Service Manager for Strategic Housing and Regeneration at Wakefield Council. Mark Hooten, who's Senior Strategic Housing Manager at Wakefield Council. Rob Ellis, who's member of the planning team at Wakefield Council, and Sue Young, who's Executive Director of Investment at WDH. So on previous shows, we've talked about how regeneration and investment has brought new business and job opportunities to Wakefield. It's great news for our local economy, the high street and our residents. But what about the additional people these projects are bringing to the area? We're going to start by speaking to some of those people before chatting to our guests this evening to learn more about the work Wakefield Council is doing to ensure housing is available for all. So I've come into Wakefield City Centre to find out what people think about living in Wakefield, what they love about the area and also about the changes that are taking place. I really like how vibrant Wakefield is. I think there's a lot of regeneration happening, a lot of developments in the city, so it's a really exciting time for Wakefield. It's quite nice size, so for us it's easier to get to and it's more compact than like Leeds City Centre. So it's, it's still busy but not as overwhelmingly so. And why would you choose to come shopping here in Wakefield rather than, say, Leeds? Ease of access. You can park. <laughs> ah, that's good news. Parking's easy, yeah? yeah? Parking's really easy. It's not in Leeds. And it's cheap. And it's cheap as well. Do you see developments happening in Wakefield, things improving? I think so, yeah. I think there's a there's been whispers that things are kind of dying, but I don't think that's the case at all. I think there's... Um, quite a few new shops have been popping up oh it's a nice city it's like i said it's it's small easy easy to access good night out good night out and what about the culture what about going out and about around wakefield yeah it's got sandal castle which we like going to it's yeah, got pugnies the Sculpture park yeah yeah it's good uh-huh. stuff for, to do with kids as well and what is it about wakefield you like you're here in wakefield city center what is it about the city center you like well i can get a bus easy the shops they're my sort of shops where I live at the moment, it's great because we're not that far from town, so it's easy to get to, and I'm not far from a train station, which is easy to get out and about. So it brings you into the city here. What is it about the city that you like? I've lived in Wakefield all my life, so I like the city. There's been lots of changes, and I see it improving. I see the Hepworth. I see everything that's going on down by the waterways, which is great. And I do see a big improvement within the ridings as well. Which is great news, isn't it? It is. So what do you tell people from outside of the city about coming here? I always tell them if they're coming into Wakefield, don't judge a book by its cover. Come and have a proper look. We've got the cathedral, which is always great to look at. We've got the Hepworth. We've got the sculpture park. So there is quite a lot of stuff to do within Wakefield. And you're seeing a lot of regeneration as well? Yes, especially round within the waterfront, down Westgate, and also within the ridings. So having met some of our wonderful residents, we're going to put a few of their questions to our guests this evening and learn more about what the Regen team at Wakefield Council are doing to ensure we have enough homes in our area to meet a growing demand. And I'd like to start here in the studio this evening by introducing Jane Brown. Welcome to Rhubarb, Jane. 
Thank you. Tell me your position at Wakefield Council. It's Service Manager for Strategic Housing and Regeneration. Okay. Basically, this is very much your bag, isn't it, Regeneration? And we want to find out more. Yeah, (laughs) want to find out more. So tell us a little bit more about some of the projects the council has delivered and give us a sneak peek, if you can, into the future and what's in the pipeline. Yep. So in terms of housing projects, a lot of people will already know about City Fields, which is the urban extension to the south of the city centre. It's going to deliver around two and a half thousand new homes and people will see there's a lot of private development already on that site. But what some people probably don't know is that the council has a large holding of land in the middle of that site. So the council will be bringing forward around 900 new homes on that site. What we've done with that site is we've master planned it so that we can strategically plan what's coming forward. So it's not about just putting a for sale board on there and selling the land off to private developers. It's about looking at what the needs are and what we can bring forward that's different on that site. The master plan also helps us as well to look at how we can integrate that site with existing communities, how we can create new communities, and then also thinking about green space, play areas, the walking, the cycling routes, and also the design of the actual housing right. as well. Okay. Um, so the master plan is, is ensuring that we're able to deliver against that. And the planning applications will be coming forward for that site. There's one already in and hopefully that'll be approved this year. So that'll kickstart the council's land on that site. In terms of what's in the pipeline, we've got the Kergate neighbourhood gateway area, which for people that don't know, that's the area that covers the former ABC cinema. So Mm. a lot of people will have seen the demolition around the ABC cinema. And what we're doing there is bringing forward around 90 new homes. So this is in the hope that they will come to the city centre, they'll start to use the facilities here, the attractions, they'll spend the money here, they'll work here. So it's about creating a housing development that people want to live in, but then also they want to work in the city centre, they want to use the facilities that are available and increase that footfall across the city centre. And then thirdly, we've got the Civic Quarter, which is the most historic part of the city centre. So it's made up of a number of historic listed buildings as well. Um, And that is coming forward for around 63 new homes. And it will include the refurbishment and restoration of the former courthouse as well as a community hub. In addition to that, so that we've talked about private development houses coming forward, but we do have a public rented sector agenda as a council, which is about accelerating affordable housing and bringing those affordable housing sites forward. So one of them that is coming forward in the city centre is the former Chantry House site at Kergate. And I know Sue from WDH is going to talk more about that later on. We do have a mix of sort of 10-year mm. type of housing coming forward in the city centre. Very exciting, and I think a lot of towns and cities are having to look at this post-COVID, is living in the city centre, making the city centre work, not just for the leisure side or indeed for shopping and working, but actually living. This is something which you've really got hold of and are driving forward, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. I think COVID has accelerated that change as well. The retail is shrinking in urban centres and we're now looking at different uses across the city centre and residential is one of those main uses. The local plan as well is, is back in that, so we're hoping to have that adopted later this year. Very exciting and it's not just one 
one area. It's right around the city centre that you're bringing these new homes uh, right across the board. So when it comes to these big transformational projects, of course, the question everybody knows, people listening tonight are going to go, oh, yeah, where's the money and the funding coming from? Tell us more, Jane. Okay, so the council will always try and maximise its own capital programme to help to bring sites forward, de-risk sites and make them developable ready. But we are always looking out for external funding opportunities as well. So whether that be central government, combined authority, Homes England, we're always exploring those funding opportunities to bring sites forward. So for example we've used local growth funding at Civic Quarter, at Chantry House we've used the transport fund at City Fields, we've used the housing infrastructure fund to bring forward essential infrastructure across City Fields to deliver those homes as well we're using Towns Fund so the city centre was successful in securing nearly £25 mm-hmm. million pound in Towns Fund monies, that is going to bring forward the, the Kerrgate neighbourhood gateway and then also we do utilise section 106 monies as well for affordable housing so that is helping with the site at Chantry House and we've also used some section 106 funding to deliver public art projects as well across city fields so that helps with that community spirit and those walking cycling trails as well. This is not just a major project for one particular sector of the market this is run across the board targeting everybody all have an opportunity to live in the city centre from these projects. That must be important, yeah? Yeah, definitely, yeah. So, I mentioned, Jane, about the opportunity of city living now and how it's so important in the Wakefield City area, but let's talk about the benefits. Let's talk about people who are now thinking, hmm, I'm not sure about that. I'd like to know more about why I should think about moving from a suburb into the city centre. So give us more of a flavour of why. I think there's a number of benefits living in the city centre. You are closer to public transport, public Mm. transport hubs, the train stations, the bus stations. We're working on the walking routes, the cycle trails as well both into the urban centres and out as well. In terms of if you're working in the urban centres, your commuting distance is shorter. Mm. It opens up access to other job opportunities as well. You've got health facilities in the urban centres. So in the city centre, we've got the swimming pool, we've got the gym, different sort of fitness facilities. We're also working on some larger event spaces in the city centre, so you have access to those. One of the town's fund projects is the Cathedral Square, Mm. which will be coming forward. We've also got the new library and museum coming forward onto the Cathedral Precinct. So it just opens up, really, for you to have access to more facilities. You've got, you know, the restaurants, the bars. It just gives an opportunity, really, for people to, to have a much closer access to those opportunities. But I think it's important to note that Wakefield has some fantastic surrounding areas as well. Within 10 minutes of the city centre and a number of our urban centres as well, you can be in the countryside. So if you did choose to live within an urban centre, within a 10 minute drive, cycle, bus ride, you know, you can be out in the countryside as well. So it's a really fantastic opportunity to have the best of both worlds. 
Absolutely. Because it's interesting, isn't it, when you look at, uh, you go to Europe on holiday, you go to cities in Europe, and it's the norm, isn't it? People live in city centres. Here in the UK, we've come very late to this idea, Mm. but it's great to see Wakefield City actually bringing this to bear and doing it so well with so many exciting projects. And it's wonderful to see the work the council has been doing across the district. So on previous shows, Jane, what we've done is we've covered everything from new creative hubs and job opportunities to saving heritage buildings, particularly across the Westgate area, across the district. So can you briefly explain the journey and decision-making process? An old building, and there's many down Westgate that were from the 16th, 17th century. What it goes through to take it from being abandoned and dilapidated to getting a new lease of life as a regenerated housing project. How does that happen? How do you decide and how does it move forward? It's important to note Wakefield Council doesn't own all these right. buildings. Yeah. So you, you first have to identify who, who the owner is and try and work with that owner to try and either bring it back into use or find out what their future plans are. We'd always ensure that the building was up to standards in, st- in terms of safety as well first, particularly with housing. And I think Mark will talk about that later on in terms of housing and enforcement but yeah the main thing is to identify the owner does the building fit within our regeneration and development plans if it does open up that dialogue start talking to them and then yeah we we do take opportunities then if it's available to us to acquire certain buildings so if we take civic quarter as an example opportunities arose there with the former police station and then the former courthouse and the council did step in to purchase those buildings. We'd already master planned the civic quarter area, we knew what we wanted to achieve there and what the development should look like so we took that opportunity. We then marketed that site so it goes out to market looking for a potential developer but what we did with that site was we put it as a package so we didn't want piecemeal development, we wanted it coming forward as one package package with the former courthouse included in that as well and bringing that back into use. So at that point a developer was chosen, it's Rush Bond who are taking forward that development. We go into legal agreements and then they start pulling all their planning applications together. The planning has been approved for that site now. We're just working through a number of conditions and when that's completely signed off, we finalise the legal agreements, the property sales go through and then we're looking for a start on site day. But we do work with the developer through the legal agreements to make sure there are conditions attached as well. So if they don't develop in a certain time frame, we have buyback clauses in there so we can intervene if needs be. Mm -hmm. What I would say is that We first started purchasing the buildings in the Civic Quarter back in 2012 and we're looking to start on site this year. You can see just from that time frame there's a huge (laughs) amount of work that goes on. Um, And I know sometimes it can be frustrating because people don't see this happening um, but there's definitely a a lot of work happening behind the scenes. (laughs) Isn't there just? You see why regeneration is something that takes time and doesn't just happen overnight but it's so important for the future. So would I be right saying that even when it appears not much is happening outside and people are going well still derelict nothing's happening when's it going to happen there's actually so much going on behind the scenes it sounds that way Jane yeah yeah definitely like I say it regeneration it is a long process it can take some time to bring certain things forward but you know we're completely committed to doing that some really exciting things due to come over the next few years 
Jane, thanks ever so much for coming into the studios, talking to us on The Regeneration Show. Absolutely fascinating. And watch this space as you go around the city centre because it's all going to be changing and happening. Thanks for joining us. So next, I'm going to be talking to Robert Ellis, member of the planning team at Wakefield Council. This is The Regeneration Show with Wakefield Council, featuring exciting new developments and projects to enhance the lives of people right across the Wakefield district. So it's Dave Adams here with another edition of the Regeneration Show this May. And we're with Wakefield Council. We're now talking to Rob Ellis. Now, Rob, welcome to Rhubarb Radio. Tell us your position in the council. Yeah, good, good evening. Yeah, I'm a team leader in the special policy team at the council in the planning department. Now, we're talking about choosing housing sites, choosing those positions. Jane's been telling us about those areas, but how do you go about choosing new housing sites? Yeah, well, the main way that the council can control where new housing development is located is by preparing a local plan. In fact, it's a statutory responsibility for the council to do that. Right. And we have to do that by, first of all, identifying the need for housing and other uses like employment land over a 15-year time horizon, so a long way into the future. And when we've identified, for example, a need for housing, we then have to start trying to find sites that can accommodate that need. Right. That's a very complicated process. It takes quite a long time. But essentially, it involves, first of all, looking within all our towns, cities and villages to find sites within there that are ideally previously developed. That's our first port of call for our um, sites for housing. We then look at other sites within the urban area that may be greenfield right um, and and then we will then look and decide how much how many houses we think we can accommodate on those sites out of the total number we need to um, to deliver and then we will then potentially as is often is the case in Wakefield have to look then at sites outside of the urban area and the key then is to find the sites that are the most sustainable or are right. capable of being made sustainable since 2017 we've been producing um, a local plan which gone through that site selection process we submitted the plan for um, examination to the government in 2021. Since then, we've been in what's called the examination period, and there have been a number of hearing sessions finished in January of this year where a planning inspector looked at all the evidence that we've produced Mm -hmm. and interrogated um, council officers and other consultants and experts and other people who've got an interest in the plan were able to appear in front of the inspector, put forward their points of view and their opinion on, on the sites and the evidence that we have put together to support the plan. Mm. The inspector is now in a position where she will probably be providing us with a final report after this consultation at some point in the autumn. And we will then move to take the um, plan to be adopted by full council, probably towards the end of the year. The plan also has a whole suite of policies which will be used by colleagues in the planning department who, who decide planning applications. And they will use those policies in order to ensure that what is delivered on these sites is well designed, is sustainable. Mm going to create the sorts of places that we want in Wakefield, you know, where people are going to, to live and, and, you know, bring up their children and utilise all the benefits that the district has to offer in mm. terms of leisure and open space and everything else that, that, that we have in Wakefield. Of course. I, I use the word robust and I can, I can hear that without a doubt. It's a very robust process, not a short process, but a long process to get it, it right. Is, yes. However, there's going to be people listening tonight saying, you're taking away our green spaces, you're hitting the green belt. What percentage of the district, Rob, is still protected green belt land? 
Okay, well, the 69% of the district is currently green belt. Right. And if this new plan is adopted, following the examination in its current form, 68% will still be green belt land. Only 1% will go. Only 1% right, will go. Right, okay. I think it's also important to make that I explain the difference between green belt and green space. Yes. They're not the same okay. thing. Um, I, and I appreciate it is complicated because we have green field, green belt, <laughs> yes. green space, and often people think they're the same thing. Mm. They're not. Green field is what, you, what it is. It, mm. Essentially, it's green field land, land that's not been developed before. Yes. Green space is things like parks, Sports mm. pitches, sure. areas within developments that are, that are open space for people to use, you mm. know, just have a walk or take their dog for a walk or their kids to play on. Mm. The green belt is land that's designated in the local plan as green belt. And green belt is essentially to contain development. It's not because it's an environmental protection policy, right. for example. It's not protecting land because it's of very high quality. Mm-hmm. Other policies in the plan and in national policy, do that. Right. Greenbelt is designed to control development and to stop development sprawling into open countryside. Okay. And I think it is important that people understand that these these are these are different slightly, things. They're slightly different. They are. Um, and so, different. new development actually can lead to more green space being mm. created that people can can use yes. actively. Yes. New parks, potentially new plane pitches, mm. you know, and, and those sorts of things. The green belt. It does cover the vast majority of the district, as we've just explained, but but that is largely countryside, agricultural land, although there are some parts of the Greenbelt which are developed, some very big Mm. parts, and Mm. people are often surprised at what is in the Greenbelt. Yes, but the fact is, after this consultation, after you move forward, it's about 1% of Greenbelt... That'll be taken away from 69 to 68, very small percentage, of course. With all that, all these houses being built and developments taking place, infrastructure, this is the big word. Now, if you look at like city fields, there's a great road that you've built, isn't it, to make sure people can get in and out of that area. So looking at that, what considerations then, Rob, need to be given as you develop infrastructure around these developments? Well, as we're preparing the plan, we're always looking at what infrastructure might be needed to ensure that development can happen and that it's going to be sustainable. So we're liaising all the time through the plan preparation process with our colleagues in highways, in education. Mm. We're also liaising with external providers such as the NHS, um, such as National Highways. Yes. Find out what they consider will be the impact of this development and what will be needed in order for it to be sustainable and to ensure that people can access the services that they want. Now, of course, there's no magic wand to allow everybody to be pleased by what level of provision can be given. Yes. There are all sorts of external considerations that even the council doesn't have control over. Mm. But as much as possible, we are looking to understand the infrastructure that is required to support development. And I think City Fields is a good example because in City Fields we can now see there's a district centre being brought forward. Yep. Um, there will be green space within City Fields as it gets as it gets developed further towards the south. And it does it does allow access to the countryside. It's not too far before people are into the countryside. And and that City Fields was one of the key allocations in our previous development plan. So you see this being mirrored in other areas around the district then, yeah? Well, that's right. We, we expect, on particularly on larger developments such as uh, city fields that might be happening elsewhere in the district over yeah. the next 15 to 20 years, that they'll be master planned properly yes. and that the council will you know, endeavour to ensure, to help with developers to ensure that the development that comes forward is high quality, yeah. well designed and allows people to have access to, to, to facilities and infrastructure. Of course. Now, we hear the term carbon neutral and net zero a lot, all being talked about at the moment. So what does this mean then, Rob, and what challenges do the Regen team face 
when it comes to aiming for net zero? Yeah, well, net zero, it's, it's a term that we hear a lot. Mm, um, we what do. Actually, in terms of what the council's definition, net zero means uh, any emissions of greenhouse gases are balanced by removal of an equivalent amount of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and or by preventing emissions that might otherwise have occurred elsewhere, which is called offsetting. Right. So it's, it's quite a complicated concept. Sure. And in terms of the, what's happening in climate change, I, I don't think it's just regen or planning. It's the whole council, probably the prime focus of the council over the next... 15, yes. 20 years. I mean, the council mm-hmm. itself wants to be net zero in what in terms of its activities by 2030. Okay. But the ambition is that the whole district will be net zero in terms of activities that happen by 2037. Right. So it's a significant challenge going mm-hmm. forward and something that everybody in the council is going to have to be aware of and to contribute towards. In terms of the local development plan, um, which is my primary responsibility, we have, for a number of years, had some policies which require people renewable energy generation technology within within their buildings, within large sheds, sure. for example, sure. in terms of things like solar panel or ensuring that the buildings are well insulated. Mm. And going forward, in our new plan, there will be all additional measures such as that, such as requiring that all new homes have a facilities to charge cars, yeah, that course. kind of thing. That is the future, um, isn't it? That you know, is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And to ensure that buildings are as sustainable as possible. And there will be future challenges going forward mm. in additional planning policies documents that will come forward over the next sort of five to ten years in terms of trying to ensure that all new buildings are are net zero in terms of their construction. We need additional support from the government in terms of bringing that into fruition locally. Um, But these are the sort of things that we will be looking at in the planning team. Fascinating, Rob. Thanks ever so much for joining us on the Regeneration Show. Uh, That's Rob Ellis there. And next, we're going to be speaking to Sue Young, who's Executive Director of Investment at WDH. This is the Regeneration Show with Wakefield Council, featuring exciting new developments and projects to enhance the lives of people right across the Wakefield District. So it's Dave Adams here on another edition of the Regeneration Show, talking to members of Wakefield Council about all the fantastic developments that are taking place across the Wakefield District. I'm now joined by Sue Young, who's the Executive Director of Investment at WDH. We've been talking to the council, Sue, but you are not the council, are you? That's right, yes. We own around 32,000 homes, which makes us the largest landlord in the Wakefield District. And we're celebrating our 18th birthday this year, so we've been around for quite some time. Mm. Congratulations. <laughs> like the council, we've had a real commitment to improving the communities where people live and offering high-quality homes to the people who want and need them. We do work closely with the council to fulfil the shared commitment and we are working in partnership with a number of housing developments across the district. Three of the key schemes, one of them is at the old Chantry House site at the bottom of Kergate. We have another scheme, a new build scheme that will be coming online soon for an older person's bungalow development at Windview in Havercroft and then we have a big regeneration scheme at Horse Fair in Pontefract which I'll talk about a bit later. The partnership working means that we can build these essential new homes which would have been unaffordable without the council's support. Which is fantastic and of course it means that you're working closely together in partnership with the council. So when we hear the term affordable housing, we hear it a lot don't we, what does it actually mean Sue? Well, affordable housing includes a range of products, really, which support people to access homes that they might otherwise not have been able to do. 
So as a landlord of affordable housing, we also provide a number of additional services to our tenants, such as financial support and guidance, and also well-being support for anybody who's struggling. We offer various affordable housing options, and the main ones really are the secure rented tenancies, Mm. often for families who can't afford to rent privately. But we also offer a rent-to-buy option and a shared ownership option, uh, which are for people who are hoping to get onto the property ladder but can't afford to buy outright. These tenures provide people with an opportunity to find a home that meets their needs and often provides more security than a private rented sector property. We're finding that this is so important right now at a time when everything is increasing Mm, in cost. Absolutely, so absolutely. So let's talk about what's in the pipeline in terms of new social housing and how WDH are taking those developments forward. Yeah, so we're providing over 400 new homes over the course of the next 12 months in both the rented and the shared ownership sector. But as well as that, it's really important for Wakefield is that we're investing £74 million in improvements to our existing homes over the next 12 months. So as I mentioned before, WDH is 18, was 18 in March, and we marked the occasion by committing for 18 key initiatives to deliver over the next year. Right. Uh, All of them for the benefit of our communities uh, and our customers. So I'll just go through some of the projects if you'd like me to. Absolutely, love to hear them. Um, So some of you will see that we've been doing some work on the Wakefield skyline with improvements to our high-rise apartments uh, in Kirkgate and those continue this year with the replacement of the external finish on those apartments. We'll be replacing over 400 new roofs across our estates in this next year. And also we'll be creating off-street parking um, and new boundary treatments to over 200 of our properties this year. Then we've got 100 smaller environmental projects uh, to improve our neighbourhoods. And these might be just drying areas or improving and smartening up communal spaces with some paving and, and making the outside of people's homes just a little bit more level. As you'd expect, we've got a real focus on improving energy efficiency of our homes to meet sustainability targets this year. And we will be uh, improving over 900 homes with improved insulation. And that will help our customers to limit rising energy costs, which, of course, will be a welcome for them. Regulatory compliance is a key priority for all housing landlords. Our board have approved an investment of more than £10 million to make homes safer and compliant with new regulations this year. We'll also continue with the fantastic partnership work that we're doing with the council, as I mentioned earlier. And one of the regeneration schemes that um, that we're supporting and the council are supporting us on is the council's master, Pontefract master plan. Right. So some of the apartment blocks in Horse Fair have come to the end of their life and they aren't up to the standard that we expect our homes to be. So these, this is an estate that we own in the centre of Pontefract and we've done in conjunction with consultation with the council and with the tenants and customers on that estate, we will be demolishing them in the near future and replacing them with modern high quality homes. And this is quite a change really for the people living there. It means they need to be moved out and we've worked really closely with them to find new places to live. They're places that they've chosen to live in. And we've supported a number to move into our newest development in Pontefract, which is called Newport House. Right. And this is built on the site of Pontefract's former fire station. It's another great example of where we're working with the council as it was council's land that, that enabled us to build on this site. And it's a really prominent position as visitors enter the Pontefract Town Centre and we put a lot of effort into the design of that so that it met the, the kind of Pontefract master plan principles. 
So the regeneration of horse fur is a huge undertaking. Uh, so we're doing it in a phased approach over a number of years. We can't possibly complete all of the improvements at once. And whilst we're demolishing some of the re- and rebuilding, some of the apartments may be retained for a period of time. So we're making significant investments into these, particularly in relation to fire safety. So in addition to the new build developments, we're providing more affordable homes for rent and we're also focused on offering more homes for shared ownership. And shared ownership makes a home more affordable for buyers. They buy a share and pay rent on the rest and that means it's a lower deposit for them and they need a much smaller mortgage as well. So it's a great option for some people and it's a very popular product in the housing market. We're providing these across the district and beyond, and we've got a significant number in the build phase at City Fields um, in Wakefield. Oh, right. okay. Just yeah. talked about that, haven't we? Yeah. Very interesting to hear where you are rejuvenating your stock, as it were, uh, particularly in Pontefract as well. I mean, these are really fantastic developments that you're doing. And the word, the buzzword that's coming out for me for WDH is supporting communities. I think that's a big part of your remit, mm-hmm. yeah? It really is, and I think we, we always say, whether we're talking internally or to our external customers and stakeholders, that we are much more than a housing provider. And it's much more cost-effective for us and much more fulfilling for us. It meets our objectives. If people live in confident communities, as we call them, and right. it's sustainable housing, yeah. and we're really invested in making sure that people live in, in places that they want to live and can be part of those communities. Sue, fascinating. Thanks very much for coming in on the Regeneration Show here at Rhubarb Radio. Sue Young, Executive Director of Investment at WDH. Next, we're going to be having a chat with Mark Hooton, who's the Senior Strategic Housing Manager at Wakefield Council. This is the Regeneration Show with Wakefield Council, featuring exciting new developments and projects to enhance the lives of people right across the Wakefield district. So it's Dave Adams here with the May edition of the Regeneration Show here at Rhubarb Radio. And now we're talking to Mark Hooton, who is Senior Strategic Housing Manager at Wakefield Council. Mark, welcome to Rhubarb. Hello. So I want to start, Mark, with one of the questions a lot of people ask, and that is talking about the fact that we have a lot of residents here in the Wakefield District living in the private rental sector. So let's start with that. How does the council support people renting from private landlords? Yes, well, the council has effectively two teams based in the housing department at the council. These provide support in a number of ways, one reactive and one proactive. The proactive team, they have a number of projects which we've delivered over recent past in College Grove and Primrose Hill, for example. And these teams go out and target private rented properties and houses in multiple occupation, providing advice and support and information to those tenants. And the reactive teams, what they do is they respond to tenants' concerns and complaints and they can get involved providing advice to tenants, but also taking action with landlords where Mm, it warrants it and getting improvements made to things like damp and mould, energy efficiency, broken boilers, that type of thing. Mm. So we do have two teams at the council that do provide that support to tenants. Right. So that sounds great. So let's look at property owners in the private rental sector, Mark. What help or advice is available to them through the council? Well, just in the same way that the housing department at the council can provide support to tenants, we can also provide 
similar support to property owners as well. We have a, uh, a number of initiatives available at the council where we try and work in partnership with property owners to provide good standard of accommodation to their tenants. Uh, two of these schemes, uh, one of them is the Wakefield Responsible Landlord Scheme, where we partner up and um, we work with the landlords to be able to improve the conditions. And the other scheme is called uh, Better Homes Agbreg, which is is a little bit of what I've just spoke about, which is um, proactive work, mm. but it's also about working again with the landlords and property owners in that area to provide them with grant support potentially, but just general information and advice about how to provide a good standard of accommodation and how to support their tenants where it's needed. We also provide licensing for houses in multiple occupation. Right. So what we do is we go out and we inspect houses in multiple occupation, check them for certain standards, and then we provide a license. Right. And then what that does is it enables the property owner to know that they are compliant, Mm. but also that the tenant knows that they're living in a, a good standard of accommodation. Absolutely. Very important. And it's great that the council is doing that. When we talk about affordable housing, it would be amiss not to mention rising energy costs. My goodness, it's on everybody's lips. We have a lot of older properties in the district that are not as energy efficient as modern properties. And we know that some of our residents are struggling certainly know this, with the cost of living and juggling their finances to pay bills. Is help available through the council for this? Absolutely, yes. The The housing team at the council have provided a range of support for, for residents across the district over a number of years. There are two main areas of this support. One is the home energy team. Right. Now, the home energy team have been very active providing heating, insulation grants, for example, renewable energy, general advice on how to save energy in the property. And this team has been very active over the last 10 to 15 years. They've supported um, over 9,000 properties with 11,000 funded measures through Mm -hmm. council schemes alone. There are some schemes that we'll be launching later on this year. We do promote them on our website, so we would encourage people to take a look at the council website. That's the best place to get the information. Okay, so let's get the details on that, if you would, Mark. The council website where people should go. Uh, It's uh, wakefield.gov.uk slash energy. Energy. Go to energy. Great advice. Very much support from the council then, yes? Yes, absolutely. The the second area that uh, the housing team provides support for people, particularly with the cost of living crisis, is Money Smart. Okay. Money Smart's a, a project or service that we launched around four or five years ago. And what it does is it provides people with free money and debt advice. Totally free. If anybody is struggling to pay bills or maybe struggling to pay their mortgage, for example, they can come to us and the Money Smart team will provide free bespoke advice on how they can save money on bills, maybe pay creditors a lower amount, etc., etc. And that's a free service that we provide. And that team is also, at the moment, providing something called the Energy Debt Fund. Right. So we have some funding that's available this year to help people with the costs of uh, gas and electric, which is, as we know, 
have, have risen sharply mm. over, over sure. the recent past. Sure. So, Mark, you mentioned some great initiatives there, but are they running at the moment? And if so, tell us more information about them. Yes, the Better Homes Agbrig project, which we launched a couple of months ago, uh, that is one of our proactive projects. The team is currently out there in Agbrig, targeting the private rented sector and houses in multiple occupation. They will be going out on the doorstep and handing out leaflets and letters, etc., to raise awareness. Now, that project is attempting to improve the conditions for people living in the Agbrig area. There are a high number of private rented properties and we will work with tenants but also with the property owners in that area to provide them with the advice and the information on the standards that they need to achieve in their homes. We will be inspecting properties to make sure that they're safe and where we need to take action we will do. Sure. There will be potentially the offer of grant assistance as well mm. to improve heating systems mm. as part of that initiative. Now, like I say, that project launched about two months ago right. and it will run for 18 to 24 months. Okay. So people living down there will start to hear some information about it. Do you see this mark rolling out into other areas then? It's effectively continuing the development of a model that we started in College Grove okay. and then Primrose Hill yes. and then we're now enhancing it, I suppose you could say, yeah. into a much more of a holistic project in Agbrig. Yes. Because not only are we trying to improve the property conditions in the area, we're also complementing it by making referrals when we speak to people on the doorstep and in the home to other support services that may be of benefit to them, such as, for example, Money Smart, but also other health and wellbeing services that maybe they didn't realise they could get support from. Mark, thanks very much for coming in and joining us on The Regeneration Show. One more time, one more time, the website wakefield.gov.uk forward slash energy and all the support is there. So let's look at where people should go across all the areas that you're covering. The the simple way of people getting more information, what would that be? www.wakefield.gov.uk slash housing. Simple as that. Mark, thanks very much for coming in on the Regeneration Show this evening. Well, that's just about it for the Regeneration Show this May. Thank you to all my guests this evening, Jane Brown and Mark Hooton, Robert Ellis and Sue Young, all giving us their vision of how the Wakefield District is moving forward with so many regeneration schemes and how the council is not only transforming our city, towns and public spaces, but how it also creates, improves and strengthens our local communities, creating a stronger sense of civic pride, building fairer futures for everyone. So don't forget, you can listen to the show again on our podcast. It's on Podbean, Spotify and Amazon Music. And we'll be back in June with the next Regeneration Show here at Rhubarb Radio. Wakefield Council is creating exciting new regeneration developments and projects to enhance the lives of people right across the Wakefield District. For regular updates, subscribe to wakefieldfirst.com slash regen updates and listen to the Regeneration Show every month on Rhubarb Radio.